Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I am your host. So thankful for you guys to be here with us. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys for stepping into the Housing Hour. Uh, We are excited. The the excitement is in the air, and uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. As a lot of you know, um, we have a passion around here for weather. And last year, we have John Lindsay, um, the person who I started the little East Tennessee weather page with. And so we put together a show last year and had John in. Mark felt like we needed an expert this year. (laughs) A professional. um, For good reason. Um, So in studio, I do first of all have my uh, East Tennessee weather page co-anchor, co-administrator, moderator, John Lindsay. So John, let me first thank you for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And with the professional outlook and also weatherman, we have Matt Hinkin also in studio. So Matt, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Good to be here. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, also, just so you know, you can go to thehousinghour.com and find uh, more about Matt, find out where he, um, uh, look for his weather forecast. So go to thehousinghour.com and you can check out all the information about Matt and, and link up to his Facebook page and so forth. But, you know, one of the things that John and I decided to do last year, Matt, was to start this Facebook page because we love weather. We love following the forecast and then seeing what actually comes to flourishing. It's just very interesting to both of us. And we love snow. I mean, I'll just talk for you. I love snow. Not everybody does. But it was one of those things that when Mark decided to put the show together last year, it got a lot of attention and everybody got talking and it's just one of those things around East Tennessee. So we decided to have you in. So we're so thankful for that. You know, we had a bunch of questions that we have because I'm just a geek. I'm, I'm, I'm a weather nerd. And, you know, it, just starting with small questions that, you know, a lot of people probably wonder what career that you take, what path you take. And one of my questions is, you know, why did you get started in weather? You could have done several different things in your life, and weather was the one that you chose. And I understand off air that that wasn't your first thing that you chose. But could you just talk to us about, you know, what got you into, what inspired you to become a weatherman? Well, I I honestly, and this is no fool, it's by the grace of God, actually, Mm -hmm. because I had no plans to be in the weather business growing up. I went to school, high school. My father was in the military, so I traveled all over. Ended up being at Fort Riley, Kansas, which is where I went to middle school and high school. And I stayed there and went to Kansas State University. Mm -hmm. Um, And I even into my junior and sophomore junior year, I didn't realize I wanted to do something to do with uh, broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, started, I really like sports. I'm not much of an athlete, but Mm -hmm. I got into the sports uh, side of the uh, program there. Actually did some play-by-play sports for radio, local high school team. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, a guy used to do uh, play-by-play with the uh, high school back in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, went on to be a sports anchor in Topeka and then went on to be the voice of Kansas State Wildcat basketball and football. And then wow. went on to be, now he's the voice of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Wow. So he, he Greg Sharp did a great job. Yeah. Uh, for me, I um, got a degree, um, couldn't find a job right out of school. So I went on a short-term mission trip for about four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, singing with Continental Singers. When That's all a short-term mission yeah, trip? Well, that sounds like a long-term. <laughs> it was a long, yeah, it was about four months, but I guess it was a long-term mission And where trip. was it? It was with the Continental Singers, which is a contemporary Christian singing group okay. that travels all over the country, wow. based in California. 
So flew out to California, toured through Canada, had the tough job of singing an Easter sunrise service on Waikiki Beach. Wow. Wow. Um, And 17 states. And two weeks after I got off tour, I took a job in Joplin, Missouri as a news reporter hoping to work in the sports department. Mm-hmm. As it turned out, I got to shoot some sports and highlights and that sort of thing, but they asked me to help out in the weather department because they had somebody to leave. Oh, wow. So I just read National Weather Service copy and went on the air, and this was, what, 30 years ago or something like that? Wow. And uh, I liked it so much that I started looking for full-time weather jobs, and that was at the time when most TV stations were going away from the happy, happy weather guy, you mm-hmm. know, with the flower <laughs> and the dog and whatever, <laughs> to meteorologist, and I wasn't a meteorologist, so... yeah. Um, I went back to school, quit my job in Joplin, went back to school at the University of Kansas because I could get in-state tuition there, and they had only school in the state that offered a meteorology program. Mm -hmm. And shortly after that, the station in Topeka, where I interned in sports, needed a weekend weather person. Wow. And they heard I was in the area, so... um, And they had history with you already. Yeah, and they had a history, right. So my sports internship turned into a weekend weather job. I always tell kids these days, get an internship, get a practicum, because you can never know where it's going to lead you. Well, wow. I mean, you kept the doors open. That's what right. it sounds like. And you didn't shut those doors. And they didn't even, um, you know, have the time clock probably already taken away. And you were able to go back to where you started. I think that's neat. Real quick on Joplin. You started in Joplin. Um, did you have friends there from the tornado just a few years ago? You mentioned that. Uh, I did not. Yeah. I didn't know anybody back did there. You, you knew the area, I'm sure, oh, when sure. you saw the pictures and everything. Sure. What a devastating um, event that was. Well, I that's know. very interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that I look at in my career is that when I started in doing what I was doing, you know, I had a passion for it. And it was, I mean, if I didn't have a passion for what I did, I wouldn't, I don't think be able to be successful. Do you find that getting up in the morning, when you look at what your job entails, do you still have that fire, that passion throughout these years? That's a lot. I mean, 25 years is how, or 30 that you've been doing it. 25 here, I guess. Exactly. Well, real quick, before I answer your question, Mm -hmm. I I was, you know, I I got my second degree and I still couldn't find another job. Right. So I was working full time in Topeka as a photographer and doing weekend weather. And I literally got a call out of the blue. Yeah. Didn't even know there was a job opening here in Knoxville. Oh, wow. And so they had seen some of my work through a headhunter and knew that I'd come cheap and work mornings and weekends. <laughs> so I, that's how I got to Knoxville. That's how we got Mark. Yeah, <laughs> he worked cheap. Um, and I'll be 25 years, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I moved down here back in 1990, and my plan was to you know, be here a couple of years and move on to another market and move up at the ladder to bigger cities. and. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. Almost went to a couple markets a couple times, but uh, and that's because you love East Tennessee so much, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I do. I literally love East Tennessee. I mean, I yeah. And what was the question you asked me before? I, I apologize. I oh no, that's okay. I was just asking. Um, actually, I don't remember. What, do you remember what it was, John? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the bottom line is, I am. Oh, the pa- your passion every yeah. day. Do you still have the same passion? I I do. It's it's invented a different way than it used to be sure. 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, when I first started working here, you do a half hour, an hour in the morning, mm. and you do a noon show. Um, and then when I got promoted to chief meteorologist, we do a, a t- you know, 6 o'clock and 11. Mm-hmm. Now it's 4, 4.35, 6, 10, 11. I mean, has your staff grown over the years? Yeah, our staff. It has to, you know, I guess. We have four full-time meteorologists now. But uh, at the time, we had two, two and a half. And... Um, there's just so much more weather to cover yeah. and so much more time that you have to fill. Um, so it's, it's, it's no more just go hour and a half and people think we, you know, I work, the only time I work is when I'm on TV. Right. Now. 
Exactly. It's a lot well, more. and that's the way it was with sports as well. The similar thing. You used to get your six and your eleven o'clock sports report, yep. and it's just like weather. You have it constantly. Um, there has to be a lot of pressure on you, I guess you would say, to to be as accurate as you possibly can. How do you deal with that pressure when it comes to around the winter time? I mean. It appears just watching you on TV that there is no pressure whatsoever. You're very confident, and that's what a good weatherman or meteorologist does. They they tell you what the forecast is, but hey, you know they may be off a little bit here or there. But how do you deal with that pressure, or is there even any pressure? Uh, there's there's I wouldn't there's an underlying current pressure, you know, especially in wintertime when you talk about the first snow event. Mm-hmm. The first time we talk, whether it's flurries or whatever, the first time you talk about it for the season, um, there's pressure because people, yeah. you know, the boss wants to know more. They put you yeah. higher in the newscast. They want more hits in the newscast. Um, no, I don't have stock in Kroger. I don't know how many times <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> no, I wish. Um, but yeah. you've got to go through it and just realize that you can't control it. Mm-hmm. You've got to trust your local intuition. You mm-hmm. can look at all the computer models you want. But you have to ultimately make your own forecast. Well, let's, yeah, let's talk about the 1993 event because that really goes to the heart of your intuition because that was the first storm, and please correct me if I'm wrong, where the weather models really became the primary news story because it said, hey, we could have the huge event, um, but not everyone was thinking. I mean, obviously, they, did, they said there's no possible way this is going to happen. And, and so talk about that, you know, when you were looking at the weather models back then and then what ended up happening. Today, we'll get, you know, if you look at some of the different weather models that are out there, it's still today, some of them will say, oh, you're getting 10 to 12 inches, you know. And, you know, if you're not educated about the local and what happens and those type and the trends. Um, but why is it that when you look at weather forecasting from 93 to now, why has it improved and then tell me also how it's not improved, really. Well, uh, it's improved. It has to improve. I mean, just the technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're taking algorithms. You've got more data. This is all put into supercomputers that run incredibly long mathematical uh, equations and then spit out results. And then we have the results, and we get to look at the results and say, okay, do I agree with this? Mm-hmm. Is it taken into the effect that we've got downsloping winds coming off the mountains? Uh, is it coming up from the southeast, uh, mm-hmm. southwest? Uh, is it coming from the northwest? We tend to get our biggest snows when low pressure passes to our south. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Basically, if you send a low pressure between uh, Atlanta and, and Chattanooga, we have a tendency to get our best snows there. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the question. Is the cold air going to wrap in quick enough to turn that moisture to snow, mm-hmm. or is the snow going to be you know, way farther north, or where's the rain snow line going to set up, or are we going to see the rain be with us and just as the cold gets here the moisture moves out it's so impossible no, yeah. Matt or, or, also, the, or if the, the cold is already here right and also place. you know the other big question is what color are the woolly worms yeah that's another important <laughs> question I'm <laughs> just kidding that's a no don't I that's mean, a Bill Landry yeah <laughs> well I read some stuff from your forecast from last year and you know, obviously you don't put a lot of stock in it but the almanac the farmers you know the what you quoted was that that the hornet's nests were lower to the ground this year this was last year and so he said the guy who you were talking to said yeah they're really low this year and we ended up getting a lot of snow last year yeah and i think uh, i think i forecast um 11 inches i did forecast 11 in 2014 you forecasted i'm sorry 13 you forecasted eight inches yeah. and we had 11 so you were pretty accurate and last year i think we forecasted like 
14 to 18 and we got nine or 10, something like that. That's but, what we were trying to figure yeah. out. That's pretty good. But yeah. see, the, what you have to understand, folks, is winter is not just snow. Right. People want to know how much snow we're going to have. But that's all we care about. Well, yeah, but what <laughs> snow's okay, but it's the freezing rain and yeah. ice and that school was out for two weeks. Knox right. County was out for two weeks mainly because of ice. The ice. Yeah, yeah. It was two back to back storms. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. So I mean you can't we can't just totally go out and say the winter is gonna be, you know, nine inches of snow and, and that's it. Winter is so much more than just the amount of snow you get, it's the amount of freezing rain, sleet and everything else that goes with it. I mean, whenever there's a big forecast that you're giving and the weather models change all the time and you just have to get out in front of the camera and give it your best your best forecast mm -hmm. then later on that evening when you might be out at a restaurant i mean i'm sure people come up to you all the time oh you said it was going to snow or hey you said it wasn't going to snow how do you deal with that pressure and that, that type of activity yeah well we you you sometimes you have to learn how to bite your tongue oh. most people are very cordial <laughs> about it you know right but some people are rude i know they are people, I have, they have to be you know i don't control the weather i've never claimed to control the weather <laughs> but i will tell you you don't control the weather that's breaking news we get it right about 93 percent of the time a 24 and a 48 Did hour you just forecast. make that up no, <laughs> just no. kidding so most people will remember the seven or eight percent of the time you missed the forecast versus right. the ninety percent of the time you hit the forecast. Exactly. I mean, God, Man, UT football should be that good. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, we have Matt Hinkin in studio with us, and we're so thankful for him coming in and talking with us. We're going to continue this um, very fun conversation after these messages. So, also for you guys who listen to the show and you want to share it with friends or family, after the show, go to thehousinghour.com and you can hit the share button and share that with whoever you'd like. So join us guys, right after these messages, we're going to continue this conversation with Matt Hinkin. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour again. Kevin Ray here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. The show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we are excited to have in studio with us um, John Lindsay, a junior meteorologist. No, I'm just kidding. And also Matt Hinkin, um, who is a real meteorologist. Um, and we're thanking him for coming in and sharing with us. And um, speaking of hurricanes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you actually... I had the opportunity to go with some hurricane hunters back in 19-something. I can't remember what it was. 98? 98, yep. Um, tell me about that experience. It was Hurricane George. Um, they, uh, the Hurricane Center flies uh, reconnaissance aircraft out of Keesler Air Force Base in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So I, I got on one of their, uh, one of their flights, and uh, we've, it was uh, Hurricane George. It had just come off the tip of Florida and was mm -hmm. getting into the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, Where there's warmer waters probably yeah. start to... Yeah, and the question was, it was it taking a bullseye for Biloxi? So we were mm -hmm. in there, uh, I guess we left the day before it made landfall, or a couple of days before it made landfall. Wow. Um, it was great. I mean, we were... It was, uh, was there windows on that bad there's boy? There's windows on that bad boy, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the way it works is what they do is they go, they fly up into the, um, to the hurricane and, and triangulate. They go through one side and come out the other side, turn around, come back, and makes, make kind of a triangulation in and out of the hurricane. Um, talking to the, what they do is uh, drop a, it's called a drop sound, and mm -hmm. it's a, it's a shoot, it's like a, um, 
when you go to the bank, you go through the drive-thru at the bank and you stick, stick your um, check or whatever in the tube and send it mm-hmm. back into the bank. Similar to that, they, it's got a barometer on it. It's mm-hmm. got uh, several different sensors on it. So it drops out of the hur- uh, out of the aircraft and transmits immediately back to the uh, aircraft, and that's transmitted to the National Hurricane Center. Oh, wow, so, that's cool. Now that technology has probably improved over the years. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it has. I mean, they're, so they're, when you're flying into this storm, I mean, we're talking if it's hurricane force winds, was it like 70, 80 miles per hour? Is that where a hurricane starts? Seventy-four miles. Seventy-four. An hour. So it was at least that. Right. much. I mean, you can. I, I just can't imagine flying a plane. Could you feel the wind, or were you all going pretty fast? Well, keep in mind, now, and I didn't realize this, but the the, air, the pilot was a, uh, his main job is to fly the Oriental route for one of the commercial airlines, so he's okay. a, he just does this as a hobby, flying with the hurricane hunters, because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the Air Force Reserve, you know? Right. Um, but he said, you know what, we're safer up here in the hurricane than they are on the ground. Wow, because he can fly with the wind, I suppose? Yeah, with the wind and and the same speed as the wind, too. So you barely felt anything until you punched through the eyewall. That's where the strongest winds are, the eyewall of the hurricane. We punched through and then flew uh, through the eye and punched through the other side. So the only time it got really bumpy is is when we were punching through the... But when you were in the in the main part of the hurricane, it wasn't a problem at all. Now, in the eye of the hurricane, um, was there blue skies above you? There was a thin overcast. Okay. Uh, usually you think about clear skies. You could see blue skies, but there's a thin, uh, dense overcast. But you knew you were in the in the eye. Oh, yeah. yeah. And are the winds stable in the eye of a hurricane? Yeah. They're, 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 um, there's still some wind, but they're not nearly as sure you would expect in the eye. And you could see down to the water, too, and you could see the water wasn't calm, but it definitely wasn't as choppy in the eye as it was, you know, on the outside. you could see the wall of the eye. Yeah. I mean, you could see how it's shaped in the circular. Right. I mean, that has to be scary. Yeah, uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, you're flying through clouds, so if you've ever, I mean, most of us have probably flown. When they fly through clouds, they're not looking out the window anyway. They're looking at their instruments. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. Would you say that that is the craziest weather event that you've ever been involved in? Is Hurricane George? Because not many people can say that they flew through the wall of of, of a hurricane. Yeah, uh, that was, uh, I'd like to do it again. You yeah. know, that was, what, 98, so we're coming up on... Virgin Airlines is actually starting to offer a package deal where you can... <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> or <laughs> that, that, you know, that, the blizzard of 93, Yeah. Um, and the, the tornado outbreak of back in uh, 12, uh, April 27th. I was watching your video clips on your website. That was a pretty intense event. Right. That... Uh, 2012 event was it 2000 yes it was 2012 right. that, the that, hailstorms right. that came and all that I, re- I remember specifically because you'd, you'd see the tornadoes that had already hit Alabama and then they're mm. kind of oh, sneaking wow. into down toward Chattanooga and when you see EF3 or EF4 tornadoes toward Chattanooga everything moves southwest to northeast on those kind of storms mm-hmm. and so I wasn't nervous but I was getting antsy um, and, and we then, we were spared Oh, Quite we were significantly. But I remember when the radar, the sweep of the radar went by in West Knox County, and it went from pink to just bright white. I said, "Oh my goodness!" Because I knew for sure there was large. And you were in live it. on the air. Yeah, we were live on the air. We were nine and a half hours without a commercial break. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. And I mean, you know, everybody. I, I remember very clearly everybody thinking, "Wow, this is the beginning of a lot of storms." Every year when it starts to warm up, and these, you know, but it, that hasn't happened. What May two thousand and twelve? so different than any other year. I mean, because, I mean, it, it put a lot of roofs, uh, damaged a lot of roofs, cars. I mean, there was destruction throughout the city. Um, why was that year so different? Um, I don't know that we can we can put as our fingers specifically on, on what, you know, what made that year different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to go back and look at 
uh, analyzed a lot of stuff, but it, it just came to the fact that the upper level winds, the jet stream was in a perfect position to provide lift for the storms and, and make them spin. Mm. And the atmosphere was extremely unstable. Um, mm. I mean, we had capes. Uh, the capes are convective available potential energy. I know what capes <laughs> yeah. are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we had capes of four or 5,000. That's just a lot of energy in the atmosphere. And, wow. uh, you know, we could talk about big weather terms or whatever, but, you know, we talk about Tornado Alley, the Midwest, mm. Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, and there's... High capes. A lot, yeah, a lot of talk about Dixie Alley because they're starting to get more and more tornadoes in Mississippi, Alabama, wow. even Georgia, Tennessee. Mm. So... Uh, you know, we have two severe weather seasons. We have a spring severe weather season, but we also have one uh, we're going into right now, you know, about a month from early November to early December. It tends to be a severe weather outbreak every once in a well, while. We're going to talk about your winter forecast in the next segment as well. One of the things that the, uh, the hailstones on this had spikes on them. I've in never 2012? seen in 2012. I've mm-hmm. never seen it. They all had spikes. It was crazy. Is that normal? Well, it, de- it depends on how the structure of the thunderstorms are set up. I mean, uh, the way hail forms is that you get raindrops that are above uh, the freezing line inside the storm. And if you go 30, 40, 50,000 feet up in the atmosphere, you're going to drop below freezing. So these storms, these hailstones, just it's like a popcorn popper. They, they percolate up inside the storm and get as they try to fall out, they melt and they get more rain on them and they suck back up and they refreeze, kind of like a skating rink. You know, they put water on it and refreezes. So the longer the, hail, the, longer the hailstone stays in the storm, that means the storm's even that much stronger to support the weight of those hailstones. Um, what makes spikes versus smooth versus clear versus muddied, uh, it just depends on the structure of the storm and how long the hail has been inside the storm and that sort of thing. So there's a mm. lot of uh, detail that would go into that. How well, much About how much time do you, do, you, do you get before to see an event like that shaping up? I mean, do mm-hmm. you get like a, a little bit of notice? Is there a lot of, uh, of notice to see? I mean, does the environment change to create that? way ahead of time or hmm. well i'll tell you what the storm prediction center in norman oklahoma those guys are excellent they give you three or four days notice that there could be some severe weather um and they'll we get notices from them and discussions from them along with our local weather service about you know day four to eight is there's a possibility of severe weather then you get the day three outlook and the day two outlook and the next day outlook and if they continue to be consistent then we have a pretty good idea of what's what's going to be coming our way we're not totally protected from tornadoes. We get them. Mm-hmm. But one good thing about living in the valley is that we're, you know, if a tornado is on the ground, it's kind of like a uh, shock on a car. It has to go up and over the ridges and valleys, which is... And microphones. And microphones, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what that can do is, one, is it can make storms fall apart, but two, it's hard to, you know, track them. You know, you t- hear about storm spotters and storm chasers in the Midwest. Well... If you look at a county map out in the Midwest, everything's right angles and squares. Here in East Tennessee, mm. you know, right. it's tough. It's tough. Have to you s- ever wanted to be a storm chaser? Um, I wouldn't say that I've wanted to be a storm chaser. Um, mm. I wouldn't mind going out there and, and riding right. with them every once in a while. Well, back in 2012, I, I, I was not very smart, but I used to try that. And I, I, that is, for those that are listening, do not do that. They are trained professionals who are weather spotters and, and you need to take a class. If you want to do that, you can contact, who would they contact if they wanted to do that? Uh, you could contact me or you, the weather service offers a storm spotter training classes starting okay. from February all the way through March in different, all the counties around East Tennessee. Yeah, because I mean, there is a danger, even if it's not a tornado, you could get caught in a major thunderstorm or a cell 
get struck by lightning. We have, we have had people on the show that have been struck by lightning. So we're going to continue this conversation with Matt Hinkin right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. <laughs> Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray with co-host Mark Griffith. He's also our executive producer. I'm also here with East Tennessee Weather Page um, co-founder John Lindsay as well. You can look that up and we do not claim to be meteorologists or forecasters. We simply share is our passion and we share our stories and we share Matt's forecast. So (laughs) we we are not forecasters, but we also have Matt Hinkin, meteorologist here with us in studio as well. And you hear him all over the place. He's on the radio, he's on the news, WATE, and you've been there for 25 years, if that's correct. Hard to believe, yeah, Yeah, February 18th. Yeah, I was watching your report just a few minutes ago um, with that. And you've been able to build a lot of friendships. I, I, I did read a couple of people on um, from some of your colleagues that they say not only is he an incredible scientist, which is what you are, he's also an incredible friend. So I think that's something to be commendable because in our day and age, it seems like people come and go and it's all about the relationship. So we consider you a friend now for being on our show and we thank you for that. Well, my pleasure. I, I, I tell you, I didn't plan on being in East Tennessee long because right. I moved here. I was single. Mm-hmm. And um, I was blessed to be able to keep my job, and I met East Tennessee lady. So there you go. Met a Southern girl. You're not and, taking her yeah. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told her. I said, you know, chances of me being here the rest of my career are pretty slim. And it's about seventy percent. I'm just yeah, kidding. Exactly. <laughs> so she, uh, she we've, we've been at it twenty four years. So well, congratulations. Yeah. That's a long time. That's awesome. I uh, hope I can make it that long. Um, with my, I'm sure I will. But yeah, that's sure awesome. You better. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. Um, we were talking off air about forecasting, and um, one of the big questions is coming up this year the first the average first day you told me this john was november 3rd for the first frost or first freeze yeah that's obviously not going to happen um give us the kind of uh, overview give us the matt hinkin uh forecast for this winter are we going to see some snow this year uh yeah we'll see some snow and first of all we have to put this this el nino thing to 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 rest. Okay. There is no uh, El Nino this no, year. No, I'm not saying there's no El oh, okay. Nino. <laughs> there is an El Nino, but that doesn't mean that, that I mean, we're going to have just this incredibly bad winter. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I went back because um, our weather winter weather special is coming out on WATE. As a matter of fact, you'll probably see that over the next few days. But mm-hmm. I looked up some El Nino years of the past. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the El Nino year of uh, 65, 66, 72, 73, those two years, if you throw those out, those two years we had 14 and 10 inches of snow. Mm. But if you look at 57, 58, we had 4.1 inches of snow. Boo. 82, 83, 5.7 inches of snow. And the 97, 98, 3.8 inches of snow. Ooh, because a lot of people are saying this, the, the weather, the warm waters, I guess, kind of look like 97, 98. I don't want just three and a half inches of snow. Yeah, man. Exactly. What can you do about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, what our, my forecast is... Uh, I believe they're I'm thinking back on what we were yep about four to nine inches of snow across the 
mm-hmm. valley. And most of the time, that'll come in one or two amounts, one or two inch amounts. Mm-hmm. But I'm more concerned about the mixed precipitation. Sure, absolutely. Um, because Everybody wants to know about the snow, but you mentioned earlier that right. the mixed is more important. Because we'll have a more active southern branch of the jet stream, which goes along the Gulf Coast in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And we'll also have a, a, the, we don't have any really cold air. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to see cold air, but it looks like it's going to be slightly warmer than normal and slightly wetter than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we get the, a chunk of it, cold air, to br- you probably have heard of the Arctic Oscillation, but way up in the North Pole where all the cold air is trapped, every once in a while a chunk of that energy will come down. And if it mm-hmm. comes down when there's moisture in place, then we could have you know, a decent few inch snow. How's the snowpack in Russia looking? Uh, there's quite a bit of snow up there. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. that, aff- that could affect. Well, that's the where the w- cold air comes from. Right. Yeah. And it's transported along the jet stream. So, Is it going to be a, a split jet stream, do you think? Uh, yeah, we'll have the, the southern branch will be, you know, it, the moisture source and the warmer air comes up on the southern branch, and then the northern branch is the one that keeps the cold air trapped to the north. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just a question of are we going to get those two to phase and right. and, and get the, the cold air. Was 93 a phased effect? Um, I would have to go look back. I've slept I mean, since that, then. The, right. The, yeah. the, well, for five days you didn't, yeah. but <laughs> during 93. But that storm event and looking at what we have coming upon us that's not for those that are out there they hear el nino and they think oh well this could be a a, an occurrence of some huge snowstorms guys that was a one once in a lifetime event yeah and 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 el nino is simply the warming of the waters off the central american and and south american coast right and that the warmer uh, tends to force the position of the jet stream even if it just changes the position a few hundred miles it can have an impact and it's not just our weather it can affect lo- weather sure. globally so absolutely there are there are scientists that spend all every day looking at you know world weather patterns and and uh, el nino effects and la nina effects and climate and that sort of thing i don't have time to do that right so, uh, exactly right we take what their information is and and uh, see if we agree with it when you when you're when you're kind of forecasting for the winter because you, you do this once a year and you put it together and you you know you do that on your segment which is important people need to know it but um, do you take a lot of time to look at the ocean temperatures in the Pacific? I mean, do you actually study that? Is that how you come up with your forecast? Um, we look at what the, the folks at the Climate Center will have that information for us so we can look mm-hmm. at sea surface temperatures. Are they warmer? Are they neutral? Uh, the El Nino is expected to, to weaken as the winter goes oh. on. Um, okay. So it's still pretty strong right now. Um, but the other thing is that we've got to remember is that, for instance, the blizzard of 93. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about the blizzard of 93? Uh, getting um, cabin fever with my Thunder friends. snow. <laughs> okay. Thunder That's snow. That's what you remember. I do On remember On March that. 12th, 13th, and 14th, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. But do you remember the tornado up, tornado in February? No. And we had 80-degree temperatures yes. in February? Wow. Wow. I got married on that day that we had a tornado that came right through Oak Ridge, and we just passed it. Somebody was trying to warn you over there. <laughs> so kidding. that was February, right? It wasn't a redhead that I married. <laughs> yeah, fe- February, right? <laughs> that was correct. Yeah, so yeah. we had a very mild winter in 93 mm. until the blizzard hit, and right. that was just as we were going into spring. So people assumed that we had a bad winter, when in reality we had a very mild winter until that storm hit in, in the middle part of in uh, March. You know in sports how, you know, when somebody's trying to make a trade for a pitcher or they're trying to, you know, get a running back, they look at the statistics and say, oh, he averages 114 yards per game or, you know, the pitcher averages eight innings pitch. Do um, businesses, you know, weather channels and places like that, is there any record – from a weatherman's statistics and say, he's he's at 78% forecast reliability. Is there any measurement 
that you guys have? Um, we keep track of our forecast uh, highs and lows and how we do and, mm -hmm. and precipitation. And sometimes we bust, mm -hmm. which means, you know, you didn't get the number, you know, if you're, there's a, there's a certain number. Yeah, that you're if for. you're, if you get it within two or three degrees, well, that's awesome. Point, you, who's going to know a difference? I mean, right. do you know the difference between 55 and 58? No. But if you get, uh, if you tell people that we're not going to rain, have rain tomorrow and, and here comes a deluge at Neyland Stadium with <laughs> 105,000 people. That's right. another story. Right, right. I, mean, I literally had a late, <laughs> do you remember the Florida game, mid-90s? when it, 91. Well, it was 91, I think. There was so much water, everything was floating out of the stadium. Yes. 20% chance of rain that day, and there was one isolated storm, and guess where it was? Right, right over, over the stadium. Right, because that's the 20%. Yeah. The, the people who got hit with it, two out of ten times it's going to rain. Or I literally have had several times, but I specifically remember a lady called me in April one year and wanted to know what the weather was going to be like in the second or third Saturday in October because her daughter's <laughs> getting married outside. <laughs> and I was assuming that she just wanted to know what the averages were for, you know, October. Right. But she literally wanted a forecast oh, in man. April for her daughter's outdoor wedding in October. Right. Well, there's so many variables when it comes to <laughs> forecasting. You could never do that. But for somebody in your position, you know, forecasting, I mean, it's got to be extremely difficult. When you look at the weather and people are always forecasting, but your winter weather forecast, for instance, that you guys are going to give, um, it has to be very difficult to, in, you know, use the numbers and put it all together. I mean, it's not for everybody, is it? Um, no, it's not. It's right. not. You know, when you get up there and you forecast, it's, it's, a, it's basically an act of faith. What is faith? It's believing in the, what's unseen, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, so every night I get up there in front of the big green wall and tell people what I think the weather's going to do, Mm -hmm. uh, it's an act of faith. Right. And majority of the time we get it right, but there are those times when it gets wrong. And if it's wrong, tell people why. Right. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. Right. I'm not going to sit there and, you know, when I'm right, I don't go, well, as I told you last night. <laughs> right. That drives me nuts. Do people do that? Uh, I've heard it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're wrong, tell people why. People appreciate I love that. it. I love when I hear you say or anybody says, you know what, this is why we got it wrong. And then you put that in your your, the back of your brain, the meteorologist does, to remember that event. And right. they're, they're very transparent about it. Say, yeah, we got this wrong, and this is why. Let's keep an eye on this, you know, or whatever. I, I always respect when I hear that. Right. And sometimes, most of the time, people are very cordial. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they're not. And if, if they're getting <laughs> in my face, I'll say, okay, here's the deal. We're sitting on a sphere that's 23 and a half degrees angle, that half of it's in daylight, half of it's in sun, half of it's bath water at the equator, the poles are frozen, we're spinning at 25,000 miles an hour at the equator and, and at, at the, you know, and, and it's heating and it's compressing and it's, it's cooling and it's contracting and, and yet we miss the forecast every once in a while. Right. And then tell them, go have a lemonade and chill out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go for it. We have one short last segment to wrap things up here with Matt Hinkin, weatherman meteorologist. We want to thank him so much for coming in with us and join us for this last segment right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. The thunder rolls 
and the lightning strikes. Well, welcome back into the housing hour. Dave has really been mixing it up today with these great songs coming in out of break. So. Hey, did you hear that song? Yeah. You got to have lightning to have thunder. Oh. He, so said, he's, he's, he said thunder and then lightning. You can't do it. You cannot do that. <laughs> Speaking of that, is, this, is it true when you hear thunder and the difference between thunder and lightning, if you count how many seconds, is there any type of geographical reason for that? Uh, if you count five seconds between the flash of lightning and the, and the roll of thunder, then it's about a mile away. It's the thunder first, right? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lightning creates thunder, children. <laughs> <laughs> and you said uh, how far away? Uh, usually it's about five. If you can count to five, it's about a mile away. Ten is two miles away. But uh, I always tell people don't. I mean, that's a good safety thing. But if you, right. if, if, get you hear, inside. if you hear thunder or you see lightning, get inside. Observe the 30-minute rule. Mm-hmm. That, you know, last 30 minutes from the last time you saw lightning or heard thunder. And then if you haven't heard anything, then it's safe to go out. Bolts from the blue. People have been struck by lightning 5, 10, 15 miles away from a storm. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's always better safe than sorry. Let me ask you a question as we're ending the show today. Why are people so fascinated with weather? I mean, God controls the weather. And maybe that's what it is because I'm always amazed at what happens in the weather. I mean, it's always in the top of the news. And that's why you're so popular, also because you're awesome. But (laughs) it's always the most popular of the news. I mean, most people want to hear the weather. If they could hear the weather and then turn the TV off, a lot of people would. Right. Because it's just so fascinating. Well, it affects everybody every day. I mean, Mm, if you're you're a baby, if you're a grown adult, if you're a male, female, it affects everybody every day. First thing you do when you wake up in the morning is to make your plans. What are you going to wear? That's right. based on the weather. Right. Um, everything is based on the weather, and it, it, it affects everybody every day. And if it doesn't, we're not here. That's right. Without the weather, we don't. I mean, we don't exist. Mm. And uh, you know, it gets hot, it gets cold, it gets wet, it gets dry. But you know, the the Earth balances itself out, mm-hmm. and um, and it's a very important fact of. See, of, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. I just it's a, just it, it's a very important fact of everyday living. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, my I. I it seems like that if I was a weatherman, I would I would have a hard time because you feel like at least I would you have so much control. You know, everybody's looking to you. You know, you're like the big man on campus. How do you kind of you know temper that? Because everybody does look to Matt Hinkin. I mean, Matt Hinkin's name is synonymous with weather in East Tennessee. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, <laughs> but I, you know, it's, it's a job. It's simply a job. It's just like everybody else has a job. My job is to forecast the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't do anything about the weather, right. but I can tell you what I think is going to happen. What Mark Twain say? Everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. That's right. right. And so you can't do anything about it. You literally cannot do a thing about the weather. Yeah, that's right. Um, other than prepare. Other than prepare. Well, right. exactly. Margie Eisen had a tagline. You mentioned it earlier before we went out. What's your tagline? My, Matt. Uh, hey, Matt, what's the weather? You know, <laughs> we did that promotion 10, 12 years ago. I remember that. Right. And, I remember and it's that. still, I get people, even though we haven't used it recently, we still, uh, what people. You need you know. to bring that back. I like that. Yeah. That's it. That's right. Well, we may do that someday. But now we've got a staff of four. You know, Ken Weather's excellent. He's been a great He changed his 19. name. He changed his nope. name. Yes, no, he did. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee Ken's not his first name, but Weather's is his last name. I want to see his full birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> He's great. And the two new guys we brought in, Trent McGill has been here with us almost a year, and then Ryan Beasley, mm-hmm. a younger guy. So we've, we've got uh, meteorologists that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. That's so, great we've got uh, and i mean being a station for this long that is unheard of your relationship with your station is probably one of the best i've ever seen so that's got to be something that makes you feel good 
You know, so you can go negotiate my next contract. <laughs> <laughs> boss, are you listening? Boss, yeah. listen, listen. Ten percent, yeah. I'll be happy to. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love, I love, yeah, exactly. I love East Tennessee. I love yeah. just working where I work and the people I work. You still with. singing in the choir at uh, still Grace? Still singing at Grace, yeah. Yeah, love that's to awesome. go to the mountains and go hiking and camping. I mean, we've got everything right here. We do. And if you've lived here all your life and you don't use it. You're missing out on it. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much. Matt Hinkin with WATE. You can find him on thehousinghour.com. Check out our show. Share it with friends and family. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. My pleasure. And may you get the amount of snow you want. (laughs) Absolutely. And John Lindsay with the East Tennessee Weather Page. Thank you also for joining us. Thank you. And thank you, Dave and Mark, for uh, today. This is Kevin Ray signing off. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.